I'll tell you, I give God glory and thanks for this choir and this music, for just able to just usher in the presence of the Lord and, and get us into a place where we can just worship Him and, and just feel His presence so strong. My, it was just like listening to a choir of angels sing. You know, I just beautiful, beautiful. Let's give this music team a hand. And, I know the, the glory goes to the Lord, but they work, they work hard at what they do. And I'll tell you, you don't have to go far. You'll find that you don't hear that everywhere. I'm thankful for you guys. Tremendous job today. God's been good to us. What a great God we have today. So thankful for all the benefits he has loaded us with on this day. A house to worship in precious brothers and sisters to fellowship and worship with tremendous music and singing to worship too and just man and now we get to hear the forever settled word of God preached to us isn't it fantastic let's give the Lord a hand for his word hallelujah thankful for the word of God and I'm thankful very thankful for uh, these young men and women that called to preach the gospel on their lives and we've got some great ones here and every one of them they just do a fantastic job today brother Phillip's going to be preaching to us let's give him a hand while he's making his way we appreciate him and sister Kaylin and Abby Joe very much love them very much and just thankful ready for the word God bless you brother well can we give praise and honor to God in this house come on clap your hands Clap your hands and lift your voice into the God of all creation, the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, my God who saves me, who takes me from my situations and makes a way out of no way. I give praise and honor and glory to him in this place. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am so, so privileged to be here behind this sacred desk. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to speak today. Thank you, congregation, for backing us up. Thank you for participating in worship. God is good. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I will share with you today this message that God has laid on my heart is something that I have spoken before, but not to your hearing. I was looking and praying and seeking this week and asking God, really, what would you have me impart as the mouthpiece and as the voice of you to your people? And I have struggled tremendously with the word that God has for us in this place. That is not because I am not sure on what I am supposed to speak, but I am cautioned by the way that I speak it. So I ask that you would bind with me today. God, hear your people. We are a people who are expectant of you. God, I know that your word is already anointed. I ask you that you would ply our hearts today, Lord. Plow up the ground, Lord Jesus, that the seed might take root. God, I thank you for what you've allowed us to have so far today. I thank you for your presence that is already here. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting the stage. Now, I ask you that we could hear your word, that we can make it applicable in our life, God, that we could take it from today and obey it in Jesus' name. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read two, two verses before I ask you to sit down. If we will go to Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 12. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 13 and 12. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Genesis 19 and 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. You may be seated. In that first verse, number 12, we see that Lot pitched his tent. We know in those, those times, we, we didn't have necessarily brick-and-mortar houses for dwelling places, but they went to and fro, and they built or raised up tents as a dwelling place. In the context of this chapter, chapter 13, there are a lot of things going on. We have Lot and we have Abram who are mightily blessed. They have many blessings of flocks, many blessings of herds, many herdsmen, many ladies who take care of things. They are abundantly blessed. And so Lot also, which with Abram, had these flocks and herds and tents and land that was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. So we've got a conflict here. We've got so many blessings that we don't know what to do with them. We've got so much going on between these two families that eventually there's some conflict. And some choices have to be made in order for the blessings to be sustained. So, and there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Pezzarite dwelled them in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee, and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we be brethren. The words of a wise man. Abram's taking control of this situation and saying, we are not going to give grief unto God by making strife between the two of us. We are brothers. We have this direction. Now you go your way, and I'll go mine. All right? So that's what we see in 13 and 12. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. But later on in 19, it says that when Lot went out to meet the angels, he was at the gate of Sodom. So something has transpired here in this story between him going and picking out a plane just facing the city of Sodom to now he is at the gate of Sodom. So, Back to the conversation between Abram and Lot. Is not the whole land before thee? Is what Abram says to Lot. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld 
of the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves one from another. Again, we had a choice in this situation. God gave wisdom to Abram. You go your way, I'll go mine. You choose the left side, I'll choose the right. You choose the right side, I'll choose the left. God is going to give us favor. It is your choice where you want to dwell. I want to kind of lighten this up for just a second by sharing with you a little story that I came across in preparation for this. After a nine-hour journey across the country, I've got four kids in the car. We're going to visit the Grand Canyon. In the midst of this journey, my car is broken down multiple times. I'm now on my way. The car is fixed, but the air conditioner is broken, and it is June. So my kids are screaming. I'm sweating to death. My wife is, is struggling to keep everybody in a sane state of mind. But when we finally get there, my son, who's about nine at this time, again, y'all, this is not me, this is a story. <laughs> my son is exact, he is so excited to get out of the car and see our final destination, the Grand Canyon. He's read about it in books. He's seen the National Geographic pictures of it. He's excited. Let's go to the Grand Canyon. I'm finally here. He jumps from the vehicle and runs towards the edge. Now, frantically, mom is screaming at this child, son, don't get too close to the edge. We all have common sense. We know that beyond the edge or beyond the guardrail of the Grand Canyon is a huge fall. One that if we were to run straight over, we would not survive. We just wouldn't. I mean, no other, no other way to phrase it. You're, you're gone. You're finished, right? So you can hear the panic. In these parents' voices, as they scream towards this little hyper boy, don't get too close to the edge. Stop. Hey, come back here. Let me get a hold of him. Can you catch him? Mom, can you run towards him? Dad, can you catch him? He's running towards the edge. Now, I want to draw a parallel here to our Heavenly Father. God has given us a guideline that we must live our lives by. God has given us an instruction manual that tells us exactly what to do in every situation. Regardless of whether or not we want to listen, we have the instruction manual. We have the guardrail. We have that barrier that will keep us from running over that edge. How often there are times in our lives when we act like that little boy, that child. How frequently do we take it upon ourselves to court the disaster as we dangle on the edge of temptation that comes into our lives? 
we believe as we stand firm on our faith that we can handle any attack of the devil. Well, I'm going to tell you, God's got your back for sure. But we don't need to stand on the edge. As we dangle over and we get a sense of satisfaction by being this close to sin, we are dangerously close, dangerously close to a place we cannot come back from. There are times that our flesh gets a sinful thrill, that adrenaline rush out of, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know I shouldn't be looking at this. There's nobody around. I'm in quarantine. It's okay. I'm here to tell you today it is not okay. God is telling us today, get away from the edge. James chapter 4, 7 and 8, it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So you say, Brother Philip, why, why are you picking on rack? Why are you picking on, on this group of people in 2021? You know, I appreciate God giving you something to say and maybe I'm going to listen. I hope that you do today. But I want to draw it back to more than just us as a body of believers. There's warnings from the past on every situation that we're going to face. That's part of the reason that it's so important to read the entire book. We don't pick chapters, and I like this one and you like that one. It's okay. I don't have to read that one. That one's not applicable. No. God has given us the whole book. His word in its entirety. So how blessed are we as God's people that he's placed us here in this wonderful country, even in the midst of this pandemic, God is still pouring out blessings upon this church specifically. I know even through 2020, we had people that were able to get married. We had children being born. We had blessings of favor and finances. God was good, and you are here today. Amen? Even in trials and tests and disappointment, you are here today, and we are blessed. So God gives each of us the opportunity to make a choice to live by his book, his guideline, and not enter into temptation, and we are blessed because of it. But are we taking his presence and his guidance for granted? In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, Satan knows how we are perpetually blessed by God, and he hates to see us prosper. The very position that he relinquished in heaven was due to selfish desires. He wanted to make himself like God. He exalted himself. He self-edified to a point that God was like, that's enough, right? Through whatever means necessary, that's enough. We cannot live and do everything on our own. We are in subjection to our creator and to his word. 
We might think that, well, you know, I'm a strong Christian. I'm able to, to weather any attack on my faith. But I'm going to tell you, we've got to be careful. We cannot coast along in our spiritual walks. Complacency makes us believe that we walk close to the edge of any temptation without going over. I can handle it. I can do it. I don't need anybody. But it's while we're in this mindset that the devil's going to attack you and try his best to push you over into sin. It's while we're in this mindset that we are the most vulnerable. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I can do this. I can do this. All the while, God is standing on this side with an outstretched arm. He's saying, come, child, come. Get away from that edge. I taught you what I needed you to do. I talked to you about this situation. You know what's going on. Get Get away from that edge. Don't teeter over. Come on. I was there when you learned to walk. I was there as you learned to run. Get away from the edge. Draw close to me. Listen to me today. Pull yourself away. I ask you, are we paying attention to God's warnings? Are we ignoring the protection and instruction of the Word of God? We take many, many lessons from God's people, the Israelites. We know that they were chosen. We know that they were blessed even as they traveled through the wilderness. In Exodus 16, 4 and 5 and 13, and Numbers 11, 7 through 8, they all speak of how God sustained His people with manna. It miraculously rained from heaven or was there for them to gather every morning. In the midst of their trial and in the midst of their situation, God was there. He was faithful and he provided. But time and time again, go read your Old Testament. They walked away from him. They made choices time and time again. Even though their fathers knew what to do, they said, I can handle it. I can do it on my own. They didn't even have to work. There was no hunting when God provided food. There was no, nothing that they had to plant. It was simply there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 3, it states, Did all, they did all eat that same spiritual meat and did all drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And yet, in the midst of that miraculous, God's chosen people still gave in to temptation. In reference back to our first scripture, the same holds true for Lot. In the midst of the bountiful blessings that he and Abraham received from God, he chose to pitch his tent towards the city of Sodom. He chose to move closer to the things of the world and he chose to live on the edge of temptation. Sodom and Gomorrah were among the five cities of the lush Jordan Valley. 
As we read earlier in Genesis 13, the region was of extraordinary beauty and fertility. Its appearance was then so attractive as to bear comparison with the garden of the Lord and the lands of Egypt. In spite of the beauty and abundance of good things in those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah were also renowned for their wickedness. The context there says that when Lot made that decision, he knew that there was wickedness in the city. He allowed the allure and the beauty to overshadow what he knew was going on within those walls and chose to continually pitch his tent. So every morning that he was allowed to wake up, he can open the flaps of his tent, he can come out, greet the Lord, but in in the distance, he can see that sin. He can see that city, that place where sin was abounding. Rather than living in God's instructions, the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Lot's decision to live on the edge of sin as he pitched his tent towards Sodom cost him nearly everything. In Genesis 19, 24 through 28, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah's brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of those cities, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abram got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as of the smoke of a furnace. You see, this is a warning sign from the past. Lot eventually ended up inside the gate of Sodom. Lot became so comfortable living on the edge of wickedness that he eventually allowed himself and his family to become integrated in one of the most sinful cities that we encounter in the Bible. We have to stay away from the edge. In the New Testament, Matthew 7 and 13, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There's a Russian philosopher by the name of Dostoevsky, which I just butchered, I know. But one of the things he's famous for saying is what appears shameful to the mind is sheer beauty to the heart. Is there beauty in Sodom? You see, the beauty of sin is only attractive in the eyes of those who are tempted to commit it. In other words, sin takes root in our hearts of those, and those who allow room for it for temptation to grow. Temptation grows best on the edge. As I flirt with it, it grows. As I think no one's looking, it grows. As I think I can take it on by myself, it grows. 
Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. But God gives us an escape. God gives us provision. God gives us grace. And God gives us instruction. Amen? So we know that sin leads to death spiritually and physically. And we've all heard of people who who have been killed. You know, they've they've drunk driving. They were killed almost instantly or what, what have you. The sin that they were partaking in eventually led to death. We've all heard of robbers being shot and killed while attempting to commit a robbery. That sin led to death. But we don't always think about the threat of death with sins that we will deem, if you will, to be less severe. Death does not immediately follow every sin committed, right? After all, uh, when's the last time you caught someone in a lie and they were immediately struck by a bolt of lightning and boom, they're gone? Not usually how it works. If I made a mistake and I got mad and I said a curse word, thankfully, usually it's not immediate death. If I get mad and I grumble against God and I'm just complacent, thankfully, I don't die immediately. But what that does is sin separates us from our Lord and prevents us from an eternity in his presence. If we die with unpaid sin on our account, our final destination will be hell. Forever suffering, forever separated from any shred of God's love and care at that point. Do not go over the edge. Come back today. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God has already paid the price for our salvation. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make you a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. God gives us a way. God gives us the instruction. God gives us the correction. Will we hear his voice today? Even with that way of escape, it doesn't mean that God won't allow you to be tempted. He doesn't promise that you won't struggle or that you won't cry. He doesn't promise that you won't be required to invest in prayer or in fasting or in reading or in worship in order to battle that temptation. He promises that he will never allow a temptation to be more than you are able to stand. He knows your limits, but he requires you to step away from the edge. You cannot battle the temptation by yourself. The Lord and even Satan knew and knows you and cannot, you cannot win a single battle on your own. When God says he will not let his strength 
that gives us victory over sin. It is his strength that is made perfect in our weakness. It is his strength that carries us through the battle. God is with us as we battle every temptation, but there is more. And again, if we read 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. He will give you a way to bear it. So when we're tempted, rely on God's strength and look for that promised escape. When you're tempted to worship the idol of personal pleasure or the selfishness or even sleep, instead of taking time with God, look for the escape. It's right there. It's in his word. It's the opportunity for you to choose him. When you're tempted to grumble against God and complain that he hasn't given you enough, when you don't have enough in your bank account, or when you don't have a nice enough car, or you don't have a big enough house, or you've got envy of the Joneses down the street, God, forgive me. Thank you for the way of escape in the temptation that I allow to be created in my mind. When we are tempted, God, his escape lies in his word. Keep the lines of communication open between you and him. And with the word of God burning brightly in your life, you can always see the way out. I want to remind us that not only does sin have consequences, but also each time we sin, we reinforce a pattern that becomes harder and harder to break. If we persist in that pattern, in that temptation, in that teetering on the edge, we may not have the opportunity to come back. God promises us that he's always going to be there for us, and he will. But we have free will to take ourselves over the edge. If we find ourselves slipping, reach to God today. If we find ourselves flirting, reach to God today. God This message has been convicting for me. I hope that you hear the heart that I'm trying to pursue to you today. God wants this people. God needs this people to step away. God, use us today. God, I thank you for this opportunity. Again, Proverbs 14 and 12. There's a way which seemed right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God has given us his word for instruction so that we can stay close to him and far from what seems right to ourselves. The word is our constant warning sign. It reads caution, danger, stay away from the edge, stay behind the railing. It gives us the instructions that we need for escape and it marks our clearly defined unobstructed exit to use in the unlikely event of an emergency. It's our choice whether we heed these warnings. It's our choice whether we listen to the voice of God. It is our choice today. I ask you, are you living close to the edge? Are you living a life that you would not want to give an account to God of? Because I'll tell you, God already knows. 
And that means that you don't have to be ashamed of what's happening today. You can come and lay it at His feet. The altars are open right now. So don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. God is reaching for you today. God has sent me in this place to stand behind this desk to give a plea to this people. God wants you. God seeks you. God is praying that you would listen. God, use this people in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I hear the voice, the voice of the one I love is calling my name.
Let's lift our hands across the room and worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Come on, the Lord's speaking to us. The Lord's got some people on the potter's wheel today. Working, molding, shaping. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let him minister to you right now. I must be saved. What's it worth to you today? Above all else, I must be saved. be saved thank you Jesus or what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul I've made this statement many times in the past and we have to live every waking moment in the light of eternity because we're just one heartbeat away from it. You never know. You, you, you're not promised. You and I are not promised. Our life is just a vapor. It appears a little while and vanishes. And, but what we do in that appearing is going to make a difference. And we're not promised. We, we must, every decision, just live your life for the Lord. And because people think, well, that's just too tedious, Pastor. I can't just... 
think about every decision. When you live for Him and walk in the Spirit, the Scripture said you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you start walking in the Spirit, you don't have to weigh every decision because you know you're going to walk the right way. But you know, there's, there's people in this life today, they, they call them adrenaline junkies, thrill seekers. And they try to do the most dangerous, absolute, crazy, insane thing that, that they can do and still live. Because if they do it, everybody's like, hey, they pulled it off, they pulled it off. But you know, sometimes they don't live. Sometimes they're trying to go across a, a cable, across buildings or, or canyons, and they fall. Or they try to jump a motorcycle through fire or whatever it is they do. You know, just all these crazy, the most insane, but, but they're like, oh, it's such a thrill, it's such a thrill. There ain't nothing thrilling about dying. And ain't nothing thrilling about trying to live on the edge. The most thrilling place you'll find in this life is smack dab in the middle of the will of God. I won't be on the edge of the will of God. I want to be right in the middle of his will. Where I got plenty of got plenty of will all the way around me. I ought to get, get that wheel and these wheels and just put them right. Got wheels all around me. I want the will of God surrounding me. I want to be, I want to work my way to the edge of it. That's brother, that was fantastic. Fantastic. Because we must be reminded. And if you felt like God was correcting you today. Don't poke your lip out and be upset with him. The scripture says, for whom the Lord loveth, he'll chasten. He'll correct or he corrects. He does it because he loves you. And the scripture says, and no correction at that moment seems pleasant. I can remember, man, you know, we we got the belt or the switch growing up. That's just the way it was. From your parents, grandparents, or your friends' parents. Everybody had license to whoop you when I was growing up. And there was nothing pleasant about it at the time. It hurt. It was embarrassing, especially if your friends were watching. It wasn't pleasant, but, hey, it kept you from going back and making that same mistake again. You learned some things. And, and so we'll learn through the Lord's correction. Stay away from the edge because you will fall if you stay there long enough. We're not any better than anybody else through history. And many people got to the edge and fell. David at the edge of his house looking out the window. Hello. Come on, somebody. He should have been right where he should have been where he's supposed to be. Well, and he's the king. Come on. We got to be careful. Got to be careful. Brother Philip, again, thank you for obeying the Lord, giving us a word of instruction. Because I want to st- stay saved. I want to stay right in the middle of the God's will. Amen. All right. Thank you for being in service. Don't forget about prayer tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Be here if you can. Really, make an effort to be in prayer on Monday nights. Ladies that are involved with the Secret Sister, please go to the Youth Sanctuary. The rest of you, God bless you. In Jesus' name, you can be dismissed.